and welcome to the Nursing Standard podcast. I'm Andrea Downey, the news editor here at Nursing Standard, and I'm joined by Wendy Madden, nurse lead for menopause at University Hospitals Birmingham. Welcome to the podcast, Wendy. How are you today? I'm fine. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're so, so welcome. I'm really, really looking forward to this discussion today because we know that it's something that affects so, so many of our listeners. It can make working very difficult because of fatigue, brain fog, low mood, just a whole range of symptoms that make day to day life a little bit difficult. And we also know that it's not something that NHS employers are always good at supporting nurses through. Uh, So we are, of course, talking about the menopause. Uh, And Wendy, you've actually come up with an innovative way for staff and managers to work together to help manage those symptoms at work. And that was based on your own experience of the menopause. So before we get on to this, uh, your your brilliant idea, let's go back to the very beginning and talk about your experiences and what it was like when you started going through the menopause and trying to continue working as a nurse. Okay. Um, So. Originally, when I started, I I think I was around 45 years of age um, and my parents had passed away, um, both within nine months of each other during that year. And so when I started having my periods all started going um, all over the place, I was, you know, having um, long, longer periods. periods or I was having um, shorter ones or I was having missed months and things I put it down to grief really Um, and I thought that was probably what was causing that so initially and I I kind of just didn't really um, do anything about that but it wasn't until um, a few years down the line when I say a few um, a couple of years down the line then um, where I started having the hot flushes um, I was having difficulties um, you know, during sleep time, um, I would be waking up during the night. Um, anxiety really, really kicked in quite early. Um, but the way that it was impacting me at work was, yes, as you, you've already mentioned about having brain fog and the forgetfulness. Um, and with that, it started making me lose my confidence. I didn't feel that I was able to do um, mm-hmm. My job as effectively as I was doing before, you know, I was kind of very, very confident woman before that, um, very confident in my work. Um, I love being a nurse um, and, you know, it just really, really absolutely floored me. Um, I didn't, you know, uh, didn't know what to do for the best, really. And and as time went on, things pro- progressively got worse. And, and as I talked about, the anxiety kind of got worse as well. And I just thought, you know, I've got to do something about this, really. Um, so I did eventually go to the doctors and, and um, you know, talk to them about my symptoms. And it was really difficult at the time because the, the treatments they were offering me and giving me didn't kind of work. Um, and they were causing me to bleed more or, you know, and then eventually we did get to a place where, um, I ended up having the marina coil and estrogel, which is a gel that you, you, you put mm. on your body. And that started kind of bringing me out of this cloud. Hmm. It didn't it didn't cure everything, but it just made things a lot more clearer and made yeah. it more um, you know, it was it was really difficult time. It was difficult at work in the aspect that there was no support 
um, yeah. at the time. So before actually finding the right treatment, that right HR treatment, um, I'd come into work the one day and walked up to the building in which I worked and just looked and thought, I don't want to be here. Yeah. I but I didn't want to be anywhere. That must have been so hard to feel when you're already not feeling yourself anyway. Yeah. And I just didn't feel that I could carry on this way. Um, and obviously at that point, then I realised that I had hit a really low point mm. and um, I, you know, couldn't think of anything that was going to make me kind of want to pull myself out of this kind of situation I just felt like I just wanted to go home and uh, which I did do Uh, luckily enough um, my daughter was at home and my daughter's a nurse as well Um, and you know she was she said mum you know what's wrong and I just said I need some time on my own and I kind of took myself up into the bedroom and you know realized I was in a really bad place yeah yeah so I then can't I contacted the doctor at that point and I thought, um, um, it scared me. It scared me. Um, so I did contact the doctors. Um, I ended up having 11 weeks off work um, and I ended up having um, CBT, cognitive um, behavioural therapy, um, because I didn't want to return back to work not having any tools to kind of help me and got, you know, get me through that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, then the change of HRT. Um, really did help then yeah sounds like a very very difficult time and in a job that's already quite stressful and busy as it is that's a lot to deal with um you kind of touched on it briefly in that answer but I did want to talk about the support available at work so was there enough support available to you at work and sort of what things would have benefited you to be in place at that time so when I when I um, went off for 11 weeks, I came back and and um, before I returned to work, I went to see occupational health. So, yes, we have occupational health that were there supporting. Um, but actually anything in the trust at that particular time, it was still very taboo about menopause and nobody was having them discussions. So we wasn't talking about it. We wasn't being open and honest about things. And, um, you know, I think people were still in that mindset and even and myself was that this is something that all women go through so we've got to go through it and mm-hmm. kind of um but when I actually came back I was determined that there is nobody else was going to go through what I went through and what could I do about that and so I'd gone to occupational health and um I'd mentioned it to uh, the consultant there and she says well go and do something about it you know go and do so I was like right so I marched down to um, the inclusion team after my appointment and I asked there um, because I thought you know have we got anything here for women that are going through the menopause just in case there wasn't I hadn't heard and they said no and at that time they were just um, looking for um, a chair for the women's network so Mm -hmm. I, I put myself forward to that and said, right, I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to, uh, I'm going to do that, and then I can now start um, putting things in place for women. So one of the things for me, well, two things, was one, it was making sure that we had, um, we have an M club, which is our peer-to-peer support group, 
So that was the first and foremost. But also, I, my concern was that actually, if I came into work that morning and felt that desperate and felt that, you know, there was, there was nothing and nobody could help, mm-hmm. what do we need? So, um, at the time, um, we had, um, our director of inclusion, I've spoken to him and then he went, um, and found some training and we ended up training for menopause champions, which brilliant. was brilliant. Yeah. So what, what that enabled it was that somebody who is feeling really, really, you know, um, low or even, um, you know, needing to speak to somebody on that day, not, not somebody that we have to, you know, book an appointment with GP weeks down the line or days down the line. Um, so it was that we could just have that listening ear because sometimes that's enough. That's enough. Yeah, yeah, um, You know, just having somebody that is understanding what you're actually going through. Mm-hmm. But the M Club was um, really great because what that enabled me to do was kind of listen to what other staff are going through and start kind of thinking about things that we need to put in place um, with that. And Mm -hmm. it took a while, and reason being is because women still didn't want to go and kind of discuss this within their own areas. So it was kind of still taboo, and it took a long time to try and crack that one to make sure that, you know, encourage people, encourage um you know, them to go out and actually start having these open conversations within their work mm-hmm. area. Make it the norm. You know, that was what I was saying from the beginning. Make it the norm. Make it, you know, so that doesn't matter who is around you, who's talk, you know, who you're talking to about it, but you've got to have these conversations until eventually, you know, now obviously it can look, it's great because everybody's talking about it. Nobody's scared to mention it. Nobody's tutting and kind of looking up at the ceiling at you and, you know, uh, making comments about hot flushes, etc. Um, so yeah. it is. Mean, yeah, that is a great outcome because, I mean, as you say, and I don't think it's too much of a stretch to make this guess is, you're not the only nurse going through it. There are thousands of nurses in the NHS every day feeling those same symptoms and having those same struggles. There should be a safe place to be able to say, this is how I'm feeling today and I need a bit of help, Um, which we know is not happening entirely across the NHS. Um, Was there ever a moment in your sort of experience where you almost left nursing and thought, I can't continue doing this? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That must have been hard. Yeah, I mean, I, I... um I had um uh, during that time as well I was going through the menopause I had an opportunity to um you know um what's the word I'm looking for sorry to um to get a, a better job to be in a better role um and um I had to back down from that because I did it for nine months and I just thought I, I I just didn't feel that I was capable of, mm. of taking this service forward. Yeah. And so for me, it was better to kind of step back um, than to do that. And then even after that, um, me doing that, I thought it might have taken the pressure off a little bit, um, helped me to be less anxious about things. And um, I had constantly worrying about things from work, you know. So even when I went home, it was... 
and I, I thought that would change and it didn't. Mm. Um, so at one point I thought, you know, I want to keep my dignity and, I, I, you know, maybe if I walk away now, you know, I'll be able to, um, you know, get, get something else. But then part of that was that, you know, I have, I love my job, but I still have a mortgage to pay for. I still have bills to pay and things like that. And so it was really, really difficult. So when I actually had them 11 weeks off, that made me more empowered me to kind of do something about it because yeah. I knew that there was other women that were, were suffering. Of course, um, yeah. And, and I wanted to hear their stories um, and, you know, and make sure that we were putting the right things in place. Yeah, of course. And it must be just such a demoralising and disappointing yeah. experience when, as you say, you've worked really hard in your career. You've got to a place where you're being offered sort of higher positions and you're having to turn them down because of something that we all naturally go through. So, yeah, there must, you know, there needs to be that support in place, which brings me to your brilliant idea which was the menopause passport um so I will let you explain all of this because you're going to do a much better job of it than I am but from my understanding it's sort of a document that allows sort of symptoms and uh, issues and things that have been discussed between uh, nurses and their managers to be put in one place and allow that to sort of be shared so that reasonable adjustments are put in place and there's kind of an accountability to the discussions that have been had because of that yeah that's 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 about right, really. So, the, the, <laughs> so realistically, um, you know, what I was, what we was missing, we had lots of, um, you know, kind of incentives and, and things that were coming through and they were, they were great. Um, but we, it just seemed that there was a gap. There was a gap missing. And what that gap mm. was, was having that individualized personal journey. Because not every every woman will have different symptoms. They'll have different at different times. You know, um, some are affected. You know, by more. You know, maybe hot flushes than they are by. Um, you know, anything else really. So, it was about individualising that that person's journey. And so, for me, I recognised that that was the gap. Um, and I I just put kind of like a document together and just thought about wanting to make it as simple as possible because what we don't want is pages and pages and pages of a document that we have to go through so we um you know it, it's just about you know what symptoms are you actually having how are these impacting you at work and what can we you know how can we support and mm. then um once um you know, that is all filled in by the person who's going through the menopause. They will arrange them to meet with the manager and they are then able to go through their symptoms and what's impacting them on them now. Because we know as time goes on, that will change. Yes. They change. Yeah. So we've got to make it so that it's not just a one off thing. So we don't just fill it in, have that meeting and that's the end of that. Um, we encourage regular meetings with the manager to make sure that we're updating on where we are or, mm-hmm. um, you know, if we don't need that reasonable adjustment anymore, you know, it might be we need something else. Um, so it's about having them regular meetings and um, putting the support around. Now, we have to, because this is the very first passport as well, we've got to be kind of, 
clever of how we how we do this. So we can we we can't put a list of reasonable adjustments down because everybody is different and, and different ways. So there's no point in doing that. So we have to kind of listen to what the person's going through. How how's how's that impacting them at work? Is that going to mean um, for example, if you've got a nurse on a ward that is having um, has bad days where they're having anxiety, they're having a lot of hot flushes, they they feel that their um, brain fog is is worse that day, then how can we automatically before people would take the day off because they think I can't face today? Mm-hmm. And one of the worries for a lot of nurses is I've got to give drugs out today. Yeah. So when I'm giving medications out, I'm, you know, and so we have to kind of look around if that if some not everybody is going to come in every day with them symptoms. So it may be that, you know, on the one day where they don't feel, you know, they, they want to do that because they feel worried about um, the way that they're feeling, that we should then um, just a case of putting that on the reasonable adjustments to say, actually, if you're having a bad day, then you can come into work and tell us uh, straight away and we can take you off them duty of doing medication yeah. rounds. There's lots of other things that nurses can be doing on the ward. Um, yeah. that, you know, they can carry on doing their, you know, the patient care and, and all of that. But, you know, just take them away from the things that they're more mm-hmm. concerned about. So it could yeah. be just it could be something like that or it could be, you know, that they have frequent breaks. They may need to... Um, you know, just get off the ward for for mm-hmm. a couple of minutes more or, you know, we've just got to tailor it around that individual. Yeah. Yeah. So it's about being flexible and fluid on the day because, you know, we're not robots. Everyone yeah. has a different feeling every day and there's different That's symptoms. Right. So, yeah, it must be about flex- being flexible around those. And I'm guessing that has a big uh, impact on things like retention and self-well-being and just general satisfaction in a job which we know is something that across the board nurses are struggling with at the moment um so how has this been received in your trust what's what's the feedback from nurses oh it's been i've had people shouting at the cars um <laughs> i've had all sorts um in the mornings shouting thank thank you wind um you know for the menopause passport because i was assuming because they were night shift that they were allowed to do the nights because it would be easy for them to to sleep in the day but yeah they've uh, you know, I was talking to um, some of uh, a couple of our dom- from our domestic services this morning, and they, you know, they said we can't thank you enough because actually mm-hmm. the the difference it's made. And I've been very lucky because we've had managers that have really and and all our execs um, are very supportive. Um, you know, and the team that I'm in now, um, the strategic project team. I mean, without them. You know, and their support. Um, I, you know, it would. It's been great to have them to get me through. Um, you know, getting this this out there really, and um, supporting me with that. Um, you know, we've been. It has been. Um, you know, just listening to women at the the, the M Club, um, because I still uh, attend all the the, the uh, meetings over all four sites. And just listening to them, you know, and how, how this has made their life a lot easier. So what it's done is want them to come into work because they feel supported, they feel valued, and actually they don't feel that they're being pressured into, um, you know, having to 
take that day off work because they feel that they're not going to get that support when they come in or you know if if as I say if it's about you know drug you know giving drugs out to patients and things like that they're not going to fear that because they know that they're going to get the support when they go in so they're more likely to want to come in yeah um so you know from that point of view from a you know we I I haven't got in uh, the data around the retention yet, which is something because we're 12 months down the line now, yeah. so we can actually start looking at, at that um, okay. yeah. and trying to find whether there is actually women within that age, um, between the ages of 45 and, and um, 55, you know, whether we've been able to, um, you know, stop them from leaving because of the menopause. Yeah. Um, but we, we've got to take on mind as well that we have a lot younger ones as well. Yes. Um, yeah. Women that, that come to, um, that are going through the menopause and also women that, you know, whether that's medically induced or, um, surgically induced before that. But we've, we've got a, a range of, um, ages that come, uh, yeah. to our peer to peer support group. So. Yeah. Well, that's great feedback. It must feel so nice to know that you've made a difference to everyone's lives who've used it. Um, and yeah, as we've discussed, so important for the NHS at the moment. And just in general, it's not nice to feel like you can't do your job, especially if it's a job no. you love and it's, you just didn't have to be forced to give up your career for that. So, um, yeah, it's nice to hear that feedback. But we've um, also had good feedback from external organisations as well, because what we've had is a lot of interest in it because um, of the media coverage we have on that. my next question. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, that was great. Because <laughs> the next thing I was going to ask is, sort of how has this been received more widely? Does it look like it could be moved outside of the trust? Is it something that's, oh, is it across the entire trust? Am I right in thinking that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it could be moving outside of the trust sometime soon. Oh, it's it's already done that. We've already oh, fantastic. done that. This was this was a document that yes, we you know, it was developed here and we we you know, um but it, it is to share for every yeah. woman. So it's gone national, um and actually international because we had an interview with the uh, Elle magazine in Italy, which was Ooh. a bit random. <laughs> um but yeah, they um so yeah. We've had different organisations, so any, anything, public health, um, council, uh, the police in Scotland, uh, uni, other unions as well have approached and asked if they could have that and use them. Um, we've had um, quite a lot of people that um, have, have, have used it outside of the um, NHS. Yeah. Fantastic. That's great. Um, that must yeah. that must feel very rewarding knowing that that was an idea that came from you that's just done that well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the the intention was, you know, obviously initially was to look after our own staff here and, you know, um, yeah. didn't expect it to go um, as as big as it did. But then when I thought about it after, of course it was because if it's going to have, you know, support staff here is going to manage to support everywhere but also exactly. to be able to have them conversations with managers um and to be able to be open and honest about it without any kind of repercussions of that mm-hmm. yeah um, is is exactly what we need and that should yeah. be anywhere of course yeah and is it something that moves easily between jobs so if a nurse is working in one trust and moves to another it's just easy to sort of take that across yeah, I mean, within the trust, if they move across the sites, yeah, you just you just take it with you. Yeah, um, so, so whatever adjustments are put in place, you just kind of take across. 
meet with your new manager. This is what's in place at the moment. And again, Brilliant. It's not yeah. 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 That's brilliant. So something we like to do on this podcast is to sort of allow people to take away some learning, some helpful advice, things that they can sort of implement themselves when they listen to this. Um, so let's have a little chat about how you set up your idea, because I'm assuming it wasn't just a wake up, say I've got an idea and it's implemented the next day. I'm assuming there was quite a few steps. So what was the process and sort of what can nurses take away from that to sort of do something similar in their own trust? I was very lucky. Um, to be fair, because at the time we had um, we had the Fairness Task Force, which was a, um, a a meeting place for all the chairs were able to attend, and uh, it was um, chaired by our CEO at the time. And so, anything issues that were raised between any of the networks, we was able to bring up at that meeting. And, um, you know, they would be addressed and we'd put actions and the plan in place to how we're going to sort that. So I presented the passport there. There was other, you know, um, other execs and, um, you know, from nursing and, and um, from all other areas within the trust were, were on that meeting. And I presented the menopause passport and kind of said, this is the reason why we need this. Mm-hmm. And it, there was no hesitation whatsoever. The exec, uh, says, absolutely, let's do this. Um, so there was, I had no obstacles to get through really. That was, um, and so, you know, that, that was it really. In respect to anybody else outside of, of, um, UHB, um, who would like to be setting up things, I think it's always fair to say, it, Get your execs on board mm-hmm. and get the right people, the inclusion team, you know, your um, people, your well-being office, you know, what, whoever, whatever it is in the organisation, because different organisations have different um, things in there. So, but just to not hesitate, if you know that something you're doing is the right thing to be doing, then do it. Go ahead, yeah. be brave. We have to be, you know, I I felt really empowered after that because I just felt that actually somebody had, I felt listened to. And especially, um, you know, after the years of kind of getting, trying to get uh, women's staff to kind of be a bit more open about it. And, you know, I just felt that this was the, you know, the one thing that, we can link with with managers and to be more open about it and you know if we needed to put any more any training in if we needed to have more conversations about it that this was the document that was going to allow that yes yeah um so if anyone's looking for the document i'm guessing it's available somewhere well, at the moment, um, we are just in the midst. Um, we're just waiting for our new, because this is the 12 months anniversary. So we're launching a, a, a more, uh, another 
menopause passport we're keeping it the same um, but we're less less formal looking so we've kind of working with our comms team um we've put that together um but yeah anybody can contact me i've got a list um of people who um have already asked for that and um i will be sending that to them soon as um we we get it and launch it here first um Mm -hmm. but yeah anybody can contact um me here um or um through our comms team not a problem um and we'll get them we'll get it sent out um we had sent out the original one um before before these two other organizations and that but because we're in that kind of 12 month launch we wanted to kind of wait till the new one came out before we um we we sent any more out um yeah but we've got things to complement that as well you know we've got booklets um so we've got um so we've got the new guide um but we've got a guide for managers um and that will to help them um through any kind of conversations um Mm -hmm. that they may have because we can't assume that everybody's going to know how to um you know start them conversations because they are can be quite difficult at times um so so we've got a, a guide for managers that help them through that and then we have uh, and their teams and we have a video um, to complement this as well for our managers. So this is all going to be part of the launch that is coming out. And then we've got a new guide for colleagues that um, gives them, um, about, you know, what support we have at UHB. So we've yeah. got another leaflet coming out there. Um, so we wanted to do the two because not everybody is able to um have the time to get on um and look watch a video so having the the leaflet for, especially for the managers will enable them to um you know pick one up and take it home and have some yeah. you know bedtime reading or something on that so <laughs> yeah um, so yeah yeah well what a, what a 12 months you've had as it it's been <laughs> it's been unbelievable honestly the it's been lovely because I've met such lovely people and people that has got as much passion as I have with it as well, you know, and want to help and support others. Um, we've been lucky as well here because we work really closely with the other unions. Um, so that has been really important. Um, and they have really took that on board and sometimes they make, um, will send um do referrals to me of of uh, people that they're seeing that going through the menopause that needs extra support mm. so it's yeah i've been very lucky yeah i can lucky. see by the way you're explaining it to me that it's just yeah. it's emotional and it's really you know yeah. it's something to be really proud of um Absolutely. which is yeah it's great um so i'd like to sort of round out the podcast as we get to the end on some advice um i think advice for managers but also advice for nurses um so i will get your advice for managers i think to start with so from your own personal experience and sort of what you've learned in the last 12 months working with everyone what advice would you give to managers in terms of starting those conversations and making sure they are being as supportive as possible for nurses going through the menopause well we're very lucky as well because we've got it now as part of the appraisal um so that is one thing that can help because it it uh, we don't want you to wait 12 months to actually have them conversations. But if it's near the time, you know, or there is somebody that you're able to, um, you know, kind of mention about that. But having them conversations um, is just to be 
you know, mindful of how that person could be that they don't even know they're going through the menopause at that moment in time. Um, or it could be that they are feeling quite emotional and don't really want to talk about it. So it's really important to be really sensitive and passionate, you know, you know, compassionate, um, when people are talking about, um, their, their symptoms, you know, have that, that time that you're having with that person as well that you've got no interference and people coming in and going out because nothing's worse than having that and sitting there because people just kind of think what's the point I'm going to just clam up now Mm -hmm. we're not having them so you know we encourage that you have that time um, away from anybody that being able to be disturbed and things um, and just kind of use the tools that we're we kind of mention it in our um in our leaflets as well is you know to just let allow them to be open and honest mm-hmm. and kind of you know it, we know that there's the time and you know that everybody's busy but actually this will be come back tenfold if you can sit and support your your members of staff it's really important to do yeah. that yeah of course and now for nurses we've talked about um, you know, how to set up these sorts of uh, systems at work. But what about how to speak to managers or how to handle the situation? If you don't feel like you're getting the support that you need, what would your advice be to those nurses? I would, I mean, if there is no support or you feel that you're not going to be supported by the manager, I think every organisation has, has got some kind of networks or they have um, a well-being you know officers or they have a well-being team of some kind um, I think the first and foremost is probably to go and speak to them to see what is available because even though I even 12 months down the line I'm still going out and speaking to different teams that I haven't heard about what we do and about the passport or um, you know managers of, of you know, said we we need some support in, in trying to, um, you know, get people engaging and being open mm-hmm. with us. Um, you know, it, it is a difficult one um, and it is, but don't suffer in silence is, yeah. what, is what I'm trying to say. There has got to be somebody within the organisation that you can go and speak to. Occupational health are really, really good in supporting, you know, if things are quite challenging on a, you know, um, and you need that extra support or that more, you know, but everybody should be having a passport. That is it. If, if <laughs> I think if everybody has a passport, um, in their organization, you know, we can, um, definitely start having those open and honest conversations and I think that people will feel more valued and supported they're likely to stay of course within their own organization yeah yeah well thank you that's all really helpful advice and I feel like one day we're going to get to the point where that taboo is broken and we won't have to be talking about how we talk about it because we'll just talk about it and it will be okay yeah um so yeah that's when it's been so interesting talking to you thank you so much for your time today and thank you to everyone who has also listened in 
All resources connected to this episode can be found at rcni.com forward slash podcast. Again, Wendy, thank you so much. It's been great. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Thank you.